Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Walden and my guest today is Alessandro Ceretto from the Ceretto Winery in Alba in Piemonte. We're going to talk a little bit about Barbaresco and Barolo and even biodynamics. Welcome, Alessandro. Hi. So just give me a little bit about family history of your very famous winery. So I'm the third generation of a family that started in the early 1900s with my grandfather, Ricardo, that moved from the region of Santo Stefano Belbo, that is a Moscato area, to Alba because of the depression during the two wars, trying to find, you know, make fortune in another area. He started working for a winery. Suddenly he became a negociant, buying wine and selling wine and buying Buying grapes and selling uh, grapes. So was he buying Barolo and Barbaresco at that time or not? Yes. At that period there was no difference between, uh, what I, as you can say today, between Barolo, Barbaresco, Dolcetto, Barbella d'Alba and Bio d'Alba. So buying grapes from all the Lange area. What made, uh, how do you say, the success of the of this winery, it was like the second generation. My father, uh, Marcello, was vinifying all the single vineyards that my uh, grandfather was buying in a different way every year and trying to buy the vineyard I was liking the most. So give me the names of some of these single vineyards then. We The first uh, vineyard we bought was Bricosili in Barbaresco. Then we had Brunate in uh, middle 70s, followed by uh, Serra Lunga Rapo, Bricorocche. In the years we also had the chance to buy in Canubi. So a lot of vineyards that today they have a different price, so they are not this approachable like they was in the 70s. So it's a very modest way of saying these vineyards are world famous, which is which is what they are, yeah? Yes, we were lucky that my father and my uncle invested in an area uh, 10 years before, 20 years before that this area became, became uh, what is Barol and Barbaresco today. So when did you start working here and did you did you work abroad to, to get a bit of knowledge and learning before you started working with the family? Yes, I did few harvest uh, abroad. I did uh, Australia, South Africa, California, France. I worked in France in Bordeaux at Chateau Margaux, Petaluma in uh, Adelaide Hills in Australia, Joseph Feltz Vineyards in Napa Valley and Boschendal in uh, South Africa. After this experience I came back I work and I cooperate with my father and the team here at Cerreto for 10 years. After that, I started to try to make my philosophy come through. So when you say your philosophy, you're talking about your philosophy in the vineyards. What are you changing? And I learn a lot about techniques. I travel around the late 90s. So in that period, it was, I think, a lot of winemaking focus. I came back. I did my mistake. Mistakes are the turning point of, you know, improving. And I understood that... The only way to have success in a terroir zone is to understand the terroir and to make all the efforts to have these differences coming through every year in this uh, what are the single vineyards. So what are you doing? Are you organic? Are you biodynamic? Totally trust uh, Rudolf Steiner. So I read uh, his uh, first book of Steiner around 2009-2010 and even if my background is scientific and I totally understood that for me that was the best way of reducing an organic wine that gives you 
the real difference every year through the different single vineyards. So you're doing a bit of sort of organic and biodynamic farming, right? Yes, okay. Today, Cerreto is 100% organic and 50% biodynamic. This is because, as you know, Piedmont has a lot of different varieties, different wines at different level of price. Of course, the biodynamic has a cost, has an impact on, uh, on the production that is close to, I'm not saying zero, but really minimum uh, when your wine is above uh, a price that is 34 euro where the impact is much stronger on a wine that is around 10 euros okay so some of the what, what effects have you seen with the organics why what was the main reason for it apart from for quality what about in terms of erosion your vineyards are generally on steep slopes how's that helping well a lot of techniques uh, helped me to improve uh, or to save more the terroir because today rainfall are not like in the past uh, long and slow are really hard and fast so we had to understand that the erosion is one of the worst problem that we have to you know fight today we understood that laboring too much the soil was probably the first reason why the erosion was uh, taking over we always talk about this soil that they uh, have 10 thousand one hundred thousand one million year of age and then we don't understand that we with one year two rains can dig 10 or 20 centimeters of uh, your uh, topsoil that is what you have to you know save through the years so what are you doing are you leaving more grass or wildflowers between the vineyards between the vine rows or what yes we understood that we have to labor less the soil and then of course planting different varieties it makes you to improve uh, a biodiversity that is in the flowers in the grass in the microorganism and in all environment I really think that in the past the option was if you see in a vineyard only the vines no competition makes everything goes into the vine but we understood that it's not true because uh, an habitat has to be uh, a resume of microorganism of grass of flowers of plants so you cannot have a vineyard and that's it on a nude soil because that doesn't help that helps water to evaporate faster helps uh, you know soil to be taken off by uh, rains Ero erosion erosion we starting to understand that in an area of course you plant a lot of vineyards but you have to understand that you have to create an habitat for uh, something that is not just a uh, vine okay tell us a little bit about your wines you make a white one from the Arnis grape tell, tell us a little bit about Arnis and why it's such a big uh, wine for you at this winery well actually yes uh, Arnis uh, Blanger is our main uh, production talking about now Numbers. because my father was has been really smart uh, understanding uh, the evolution of areas so in time that the Barolo and Barbaresco land were achieving really high price he decided to invest uh, on the Roere area sandy soil area just across the Tanar River on the other side of the Barolo and Barbaresco area investing on a wine that through almost 30 years became uh, today a flat ship uh, of uh, a white wine in Piedmont, even if Piedmont is not a white wine region. Where does the name Blanger come from? Well, every wine has a geographic origin. When we first bought the vineyard of uh, Blanger, the surface was 15 hectares. We had to buy from 40 to 50 different owners because the fragmentization of the land here is really, really high. And uh, we knew that in the middle of the vineyard, there was an owner that was the Boulanger 
Boulanger. As you know, France had a big impact on the history of Piedmont. Boulanger became Blanger also because Bilange became a name that is, it was a really good solution uh, the geographic origin. So the, just for everybody, the Boulanger in French is the baker, so he's called Mr. Baker. Yeah, probably it was the baker of, of the town. Uh, so what is the uh, Arnais uh, Blanger? What are the typical flavors we'd find in that dry white wine? It's a wine really fruity, really easy to drink, so flowers, peach, uh, how do you say, aromas that are primary aromas that they come from either from the variety or the fermentation. It's a wine that ages really well, but his clue is when it's like one, two, maximum three years old. Okay, let's move over to Barbaresco. You have two very famous crew, the Azili and the, is it Bernadotte or Bernadotte? Bernadotte. Okay, let's talk about Azili. What's special about Azili, the terroir there? Azili is uh, probably one of the historical uh, single vineyards of uh, Barbaresco. I can make the comparison between two. Azili is famous because it has a lot of personality. This personality comes not really every year, but when uh, you have them coming out, uh, gives you an expression of really masculine wine, tannic uh, nebbiolo that needs uh, uh, different years, uh, you know, to become uh, smoother and probably drinkable. Okay, and the Bernadotte? Bernadotte is, because it's uh, 100% south-facing, gives you more fatness, more roundness, tannins that are a little bit more smooth, so it's a wine that is approachable when it's younger. Okay, off into Barolo, you make uh, several crews here. Bricorocche, what's special about Bricorocche? When I talk about Barolo, I normally start uh, from Brunate. So the, the wine in La Morra, between La Morra, La Brunate is a single vineyard between La Morra and Barolo. Barolo, from there, it gives you a silky tannin version, really feminine, easy to drink and more approachable when it's uh, young, more thin, more uh, elegant, where... As you move to Bricorocche and then towards Serralunga, you get richness in tannin, you get more tannin, and you get also more aromatics. That gives you an expression of Barolo that probably behaves better through through the time. Do you think with the... What about uh, Prapo? Prapo is a mineral we always uh, harvest uh, really late, so it has been a little bit more elevated. gives us the option to delay and to have, uh, how do you say, everything, the compound that ripes uh, better and gives more time today that, you know, delaying harvest in a period where the heat is more problematic uh, thing that we have to deal with, it's, uh, it's, a good, it's a good thing to own, uh, you know, vineyard in Serralunga or high, high, high places like that. Do you think with your change in how you manage the vineyards, your wines are getting a little bit more, I find them a little bit more salty. They've got that lovely salty, savoury character running through the middle of them. Is that a change that you've seen or am I just imagining it? Well, I think with this approach, the vines, uh, they get more uh, reactive to what are the pushes of, uh, of the climate. They're becoming more sensitive. Yeah, I think they react better. So I can tell you that the pH are lower. A lower pH means a higher acidity than in a warm climate. Bingo for a producer more salty and then uh, we are also uh, you know trying to find the ripening the fastness of the ripening that you normally get with this really really warm weather that between either july or august and september you get every year alessandro Ciretto, fascinating to talk to you here about all your hear about your family history your wines and your move to sort of organic biodynamic management look forward to catching up with you in the future we can taste some wines again and chat again thank you very much thank you Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 